Good morning. Grace and peace to you. Beautiful Lord's Day. Good to see every one of you here. I'm going to talk about good news this morning. When we talk about good news, she have a smile on her face. Everybody has trouble. No amens to that? Nobody's got trouble here? Uh-huh. And, you know, sometimes it's worse than other times, but just about any day of the week you got something going on, right? might be a little thing to bother you, but it might be something very serious, you know. Brother Frank had something really, really serious going on, and we're praising God that he's on the mend. They need to pray for him and Barb. But when we have the gospel, that's always reason to smile. That doesn't mean, you know, you don't have a trouble here and you, you, you might not be grieving over something. But Paul wrote, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. So you got this balance in life, and it's the, the gospel that should help us deal with the problems of life. And so we're talking about the gospel today, and the Bible is a book about God and his good news. I don't know if you ever heard it explained that way, but that's what it is. It's a book about God and his good news. The Old Testament looked forward to and prophesied about the gospel. If you just step back and think about the Old Testament, those of you who have read it and have studied it, it was filled with bad news, wasn't it? From the very beginning, Adam and Eve sinned. They disobeyed God, and they were moved out of the garden and said, you can't, you can't be with God anymore. And that brought death into the world. Not long after that, Cain kills Abel. All right? Uh, that relationship just, you know, because of Cain, it deteriorated. He killed his brother. Then, uh, not long after that, well, a few hundred years, I guess we'd say, the wickedness of man kept getting worse and worse and worse. And uh, God says, I'm sorry I made man on the earth. Days of Noah. I'm going to destroy everybody and all the animals, and we're going to kind of start over with Noah and his family. So that was bad news on one hand, but still good news, but that God was going to save the human race, but it was bad news that mankind was so wicked. Well, then God, through Abraham, begins with Abraham and raises up a people to bring the Messiah into the world. It was prophesied way back right after the first sin. Calls a special people, the Israelites, enters into a covenant with them, gives them the law, this great this great law that they should follow that was a marvelous thing. And what do they do? They just keep disobeying God. They go away from God. They worship the idols. The, the kingdom splits. And the northern kingdom really goes, goes haywire. And so God has it destroyed. And then the southern kingdom, it doesn't do much better. 
and they go into captivity. The temple's destroyed. They come back, and they have this little shack built, a rebuilt temple. It doesn't look anything like the first one. And God goes into silence for 400 years. It's all bad news. Man couldn't do it. Even in a covenant with God, man could not keep it and could not do what was right. But then, when you look at the New Testament, it's about the good news. It's about the gospel. Let's go to Luke 2. you got your little sheets there, and I thank my uh, uh, secretary, Shirley. She's, she puts your little Bible on there for you. Now you've got something to look at. All right, a little, little picture. I don't think she's going to do that every week, though. Gospel, good news. Luke 2. The announcement is made. This is when the angels came to the shepherds. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news, or glad tidings, some translations have, of great joy which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Here's the good news at the very beginning of the New Testament. The 400 year of silence has been broken. You know, the angels came. The first one came to Zechariah and says, Hey, Zechariah, you and Elizabeth are going to have a son in your old age, John the Baptist. And then the angel came to Mary, right? said, you're going to have a son by the power of the Holy Spirit and call his name, you know, uh, Jesus. He'll be the son of the Most High. And now we have this announcement here to the shepherds. He's been born. He has come like God promised. The long-awaited Messiah. Mark 1.1, don't have it on your sheet, says the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's what it's about. The good news. Finally, there's good news. He's come to rescue us from our sin and to set us on the right track. He has come to do for us what we as human beings could not do for ourselves. Keep the word of God. Follow the Lord and save us. That's good news. Jesus proclaimed the gospel. He talked about the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. Repent. For the gospel, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what he said. It's here. It's coming. The rule of God. We're going we're to crush this evil one who caused all the trouble in the beginning in the garden. As the prophecy said. Someone is coming. God prophesied to the serpent. He will crush your head. That's what Jesus did at the cross. He crushed his head. Because he lived a sinless life and came back from the dead. Mark 16 and 15. Turn back a couple pages there. After Jesus gave his life on Calvary, on the cross, on Golgotha's tree, he died, took our sins there, as we read in Peter and other places, even as Mike read in uh, Isaiah there. He bore our griefs. He bore our transgressions. But then he was raised from the dead because he had no sin. And so that's good news, that, that the devil was defeated, and now we can have a way to get back to God 
And in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. The good, this is good news now. There are all those thousands of years of bad news and man being separated from God and unable to do what's right. Someone has come to save us. It's good news. You have to try really hard to miss that being the theme of the scriptures. But that's what it's about. That's the whole thing in a nutshell. So it's no wonder, we're going to go to Galatians 1 now, and we're going to kind of look at the gospel and see the glories of it, the goodness of it, some parts of it, some things about it, why it is such good news. And uh, Paul here in Galatians 1, he was upset with the churches of Galatia. I, I have here in my notes, he kind of went ballistic, if you will why they were corrupting the gospel. Because if you corrupt something, it's no longer what it was in the first place, is it? Where does he say? Galatians 1.6. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. Which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. Wow, those are strong words. Paul, angry. If it's a different gospel, it's not the gospel. If it's a distorted gospel, it's not the gospel. He said you have to keep the gospel pure, and that's the only thing that will save. I tried to think of an illustration for this, and I don't know if this is good or not. And you can all picture in your own mind what your favorite meal is. Okay? We'll get you salivating a little bit. What would, be, what would be your favorite meal if somebody said, you can just come in at the restaurant, sit down, and order your favorite meal. Now, I got, I got this one here. This is, this is a, maybe not my favorite, but one of my favorites. So we're going to have spaghetti and meatballs, all right, with a tossed salad with light Italian, warm Parmesan cheese bread, glass of water, and Jamaican Blue Mountain coffee. That's all you need. All right, so you go in, you sit down, and you order. All right, here comes your water. You get your tossed salad. All right, we're, we're doing good. And then here comes, here comes the uh, spaghetti, but there's no meatballs. And they brought uh, barbecue wings for you. They said, all these are good wings. They're the, they're the, best, in the best in the East. Yeah, but it's not meatballs. And by the way, this coffee, uh, this is Folgers coffee. It's not Jamaican Blue Mountain. Would that be your favorite meal? It would not, would it? That's obvious. It would not be your favorite meal. It might be a good meal, but it wouldn't be your favorite. And it's the same way with the gospel. 
if we change it, it's not the gospel, no matter how good it sounds, no matter how good somebody tries to make it sound, it's not the gospel. And so it's just very important for us to remember when we consider what we, what we try to teach people and what the book says. Don't change the gospel. All right, let's take a quick look here. Romans 15. First of all, remembering this is the gospel of God and of Christ. Let's read this here, Romans 15, 15, beginning. But I've written very boldly to you on some points, so as to remind you again because of the grace that was given me from God. To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest the gospel of God, so that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in Christ Jesus, I have found reason for boasting in things pertaining to God. For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed, in the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and round about as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Now Paul mentions the Gentiles here a lot because he specifically went to the Gentiles and he sees them as his offering to God after his service, that he had brought so many of the Gentiles through the gospel to Christ. But we see the significance. He uses both the thought of the gospel of God and the gospel of Christ. Well, first of all, the gospel of God means it's of divine origin. Okay? It's from the mind and the heart of God. It's the will of God from the beginning. We read in several scriptures about, you know, the, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. This was God's Good news from the very beginning had always had this plan that this is what he was going to do. It was not devised by man. It was not dreamed up by man. It was not invented by man. Man didn't add anything to it anywhere along the line. It was wholly God's idea, God's gospel, God's gift to mankind. And Paul, even in Galatians, if you recall, he, uh, he affirmed this. Because some are trying to say, where'd you get this gospel? Because you were never associated with the other apostles. And he says, I got this by revelation from God. It came directly from God. And he, you know, affirmed that over and over again. It's from the goodness of God's heart. It's the love of God. He wants all people to be saved, as we read in another place. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. It's from God's heart. And then the idea of the gospel is about is of Christ Jesus, or it's the gospel of Christ, is it means it's about him. It's about Christ Jesus. About God becoming man, the word becoming flesh, his willingness to sacrifice his privileges. We read there in Philippians, he, he gave up what he had there by the, by the side of God, if you will, in, in, the, in the circle of the Trinity, he gave up those privileges and became one of us. He restricted himself to live in a human body. He was willing to sacrifice himself, allow himself to be put to death for us, for nothing 
he had done wrong. But he allowed it to happen for us to bring redemption for mankind. So there, you know, to begin with, that's good news, isn't it? Because this is from God. This is God's idea. I want you to be saved. And then he came and he did it. He accomplished it for us on our behalf. The gospel of God and the gospel of Christ. That makes it good news. It's nothing anybody dreamed up out here. So we can count on it. It's true, right? God cannot lie. He cannot lie. Not only would he not want to lie to us, he cannot lie to us. It's good news. Christ died for our sins. Second thought, let's go to Romans 1. It's the gospel that saves people. It's the gospel of God and the gospel of Christ, but this gospel saves people from sin, from death, and ultimate destruction. Therefore, this is the gospel that gives life. Life eternal. Romans 1.16. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. So here again we see this is the power of God for salvation. This is not about my power to save me, to save Jeff. That doesn't happen. And it's not about your power to save you because that won't happen. Now we have a part. As you can see there, it's about faith and believing. We have to believe in this gospel. We have to believe in Jesus Christ. We believe God did this that he did die and he was raised from the dead, we respond to that gospel, but it's the gift of God. And that is what makes it the power of God to salvation. Why did God do it this way? I don't know. I don't have an answer. I don't know that the scriptures fully give us an answer. I know it has to do with bringing him glory. I know it has to do with him showing us that he really loves us. I know it has to do with him showing us how how evil and despicable sin is when we look at what the Jews and the Romans did to Jesus, an innocent man, when they crucified him. We can see our sin. That's part of it. But why God chose this way, I don't know. But he did. In his wisdom, he chose to do it this way to show his love and mercy, and to call for us to respond to that. It is a gospel to be believed. That's our part. Did Jesus die on the cross for our sins? You have to, you have to answer that question. Do you believe that? We had a lesson not too long ago. Do you know that what you know is really the truth? Remember that? Do you really believe that? Jesus died on the cross for me, for my sin. Or is that just something you read in a book somewhere? Some kind of religious talk. Was he resurrected from the dead? Do you believe that? If you don't believe that, guess what? 
you're not going to be saved. Bottom line. It just won't happen. Because this is the gospel, you see. This is God's power to save through Jesus Christ. He died for your sins and then he was resurrected because he conquered sin in his own body. It says there, the righteous man shall live by faith. No longer about, can I work up enough good works to save myself? Won't happen. Never did happen. It's about faith in what Jesus Christ did. That's good news, you see. That's good news. We have to beat ourselves up trying to earn our way into heaven. And die trying. Don't have to do that. Jesus did it. He paid the price. So we go with him. All right. Let's go to Acts 20 for our next talk. It's the gospel of the grace of God. This kind of fits in with what we were just talking about there with faith. Paul says here in Acts 20, 24, But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Grace, of course, means a favor, or just a gift, okay? And in most cases, one that's not earned. God just decided to do that. You know, if we think about it, we just talked about the bad news there we had in the Old Testament. God could have ended it when Adam and Eve sinned, you know? He could say, oh, that's it. They don't want to listen to me. It's over. Let's do something else, you know? Let's, uh, let's play baseball. Let's go fishing. He could have done that. Or in the days of Noah, as we said, and mankind's Surely wicked, evil thoughts continually. God could say, oh, and in fact, he did say, I'm sorry I made man, didn't he? But what did it say? Noah found grace in the eyes of God. So he continued the human race through Noah. But, you know, he could still have said, oh, that's it. That's it. After all these generations, they still don't get it. They don't want to listen to me. I'm done. I'm done. But he didn't do that, did he? He could have done it with Israel. The special people I called, you know, to show what a, what a wonderful and marvelous thing it is to be my people. And they, they fell all over themselves, worshiping other gods, and they, they failed. He could have said, oh, that's it. I'm done. I'm done with humanity. They, they won't even listen to a, a special covenant with me. They, they don't want me. In fact, he tried to do that a couple times, didn't he? Many times Moses said, wait a minute, Lord. Wait a minute. You take me instead because if you kill them, then what's that look, what do you look like? Remember that? He came close a few times. But it's the gospel, the grace of God. It's a gift. God had a heart, a love, and a plan to save you and me and everybody else. It's a favor of God. It's his gift. That's good news. That 
is good news because once again that tells us about the God who is our God, the true and the living God. He wants people to be saved. He wants people to know him. He wants people to find him and enjoy his blessings. If we just listen to him and do what he says. He makes us all these great promises. Okay, let's go to Colossians 1. And as you begin to note all these fit together, it is the gospel of hope. Colossians 1.23. If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Now, you just step back from it. Doesn't the world today need hope? It is such a mess. Because we're trying to follow this guy and that guy and this philosophy and that philosophy and looking at the politicians and the government and just total turmoil. This is real hope. Why? Because it's from God. That's why. Hope for the world. Whether you're talking about world peace, whether you're talking about inner peace within you, whether you're talking about salvation and hope for the future, for eternity, after we all pass on, there's hope there. It's the gospel of hope. And despite what anybody says, what we're talking about, as we just mentioned, scientists, doctors, anybody in authority, the pundits, the professors, generation after generation after generation has promised the answers. You know that? Well, if we just do it this way, it'll work. Well, we do it this way, it'll work. No, we do it this way, it'll work. Well, guess what? It never works and never will because it's from man. We don't have the answers, folks. Man doesn't. God does. We have to do it his way. And there's not enough, I'm afraid, to do it his way to redo this planet. And I think that's the message of the scriptures. Because he promises what? Someday, new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells, right? That's his promise, and that's what Peter says we as the people of God, look for. It's not going to happen in this life. It's not. I'm sorry, I'm not a doomsday guy, but that's what the scriptures say. The hope is in the gospel in Jesus Christ, and when he comes back, to make all things new. That's where the real hope lies. And it's assured in Christ Jesus and guess what? That's good news. You know, we just had our study of the book of Revelation, pretty much done with it. And it, the constant theme was for to you to overcome. All right? Stand against the world. Stand against the beast. Don't, don't follow the beast. Follow the Lord. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. The words I give you are faithful and true. Even though you die, you win. You have overcome because you've been faithful to me. And then you get the beautiful picture of the end, the glory of God. You know, the white robes, wear his name, the crown. That's 
the victory there. That's the one, those are the ones who win, the ones who remain faithful. So it's the gospel of hope. 1 Corinthians 15, got to move along here. The heart of the gospel. We've been hitting around it. We'll just read this. Most of you know this. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15, 1, I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and which also you stand, by which also you are saved. We could talk about each one of those things. You stand firm in the gospel. That's, that's your hope. That's your, that's your uh, salvation from day to day. That's what you hang on to. It's what saves us. If you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, you've got to hold fast to it. You can't be moved from it. You can't start to follow something else or listen to some other voice. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received from God, he's meaning, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That's what the cross was all about. Him being a sacrifice, a propitiation for us. A gift from God. Here's the sacrifice that you can't muster up for yourselves, for your own sins. I'll give it to you in my son. That he was buried. We bury dead people. He did die. It says in Revelation chapter 1, I was dead. He was dead. He died like no doubt every one of us will die someday unless he comes back. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Raised on the third day. Conquered death. Keys of death and Hades. We don't have to fear it anymore. He's won. He beat the devil. He crushed his head. Good news. Don't be afraid. Appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren one time. Those two whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. And he goes on, James, the apostle, last of all to me, wasn't it untimely? Witnesses. Yes, it's not a story. It's not a fairy tale. He appeared to all kinds of people after he was resurrected from the dead. You can count on it. It's true. question is, do you believe it? I can't answer that for you. You believe this gospel. Gospel of the grace of God. The gospel that gives hope. The power of God to salvation. The gospel of God about Christ. Do you believe that? That's where it starts. Then have you obeyed it? Yeah, you have, there's a response beyond mere belief. It requires a whole person response, a life response to the gospel. We'll finish up Philippians 1. For those who have obeyed, and there are many of you here who have obeyed the gospel, Philippians 1.27, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. That's the way we're to live. You've been, obeyed the gospel, 
We should live in a manner worthy of the God, worthy of the Son of God who gave himself for you. To obey the gospel, we need to believe it first of all. Then we need to make a decision. You know, belief comes first. You believe it. Is it true? Yeah, it's true. What do I do with it? Some people believe it and never do anything with it. That doesn't save them. Then you have to make a choice. Are you going to follow God or not? Do you want this salvation or not? That's called repentance. You decide to follow Christ and not follow the world, not follow th do things your own way. You say, I'm going to live by Christ's word for Christ. I want this salvation. That's repentance. You confess that, what you believe in your heart, and then you're baptized into Christ, immersed into Christ for the forgiveness of sins and mirrors the death of Christ and his resurrection. Romans 6, don't have time to go there right now. And then you begin that walk with him, begin growing, learning, serving, going on to perfection that we studied here a couple Sundays ago. That's the way it works. We take it seriously. For those hesitating and doubting, 1 Peter 4. You know, I'm not one to, I don't preach fear. Some people up here, you know, fire and brimstone, you better repent and what's going to happen to you. And, but that's in the scripture and sometimes we need to touch on it. But listen to Peter's words here in 1 Peter 4.17. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? Sobering words, because not all will be saved. That's not taught in the word of God either. God has made a way to salvation. It's through his son. It's through this gospel that saves. But we need to respond to that gospel in the way that God said and live that life that is worthy of the gospel. This is good news. You know, so there is, there is some bad news there if you don't want to listen. But for those of us who want to live, this is the good news. This is where we hang our hat as we say. This is what we walk by. As Don prayed, a lamp to our feet and a light to our pathway. This is what we hold on to, the gospel of Christ. Are you a Christian this morning? Are you living life worthy of the gospel? Every once in a while we need to examine ourselves. Are we doing that? Are we letting other things get in the way? We have other idols in our, we talked about idols in our heart last week. We always have to consider Maybe you'd like prayer this morning. If you've not obeyed the gospel, never been baptized into Christ, we can assist you with that this morning if you're ready. If you need to talk more about that, we're ready to do that. We can do that. Myself, Mike or Mike, Don, Rick. But don't put it off. If the word of God has convicted you and you believe that Jesus is the son of God and God raised him from the dead, you really should do something with that. Maybe this morning, maybe this afternoon, maybe sometime this week. Let us know. Brother Jim, would you please lead us while we stand and sing?